Black Rock, Nevada. Here in this secret laboratory belonging to Mike Mercury and his supercar team, the art of electronic wizardry is carried out. Mmm, delicious. Absolutely delicious. Ham and eggs, Mike. Just the sort of breakfast you need. You can say that again. Yes, it... Oh, it does smell good, Professor. <sighs> Didn't you get any sleep last night? Oh, not with Beaker crashing around in my eagle all night making his repairs. That's right, Mike. He reckons that he'll be ready by midday. Yes, I suppose I have put it through quite a bit of wear and tear over the years. And also, he's been asking me if I'd consider selling him the randomizer for you guys to use here. I don't think we're ever going to need it myself. No, quite right. So, gentlemen, who's up for giving the button a press today? All right, folks. You asked for it. Oh, thanks, Mike. Anyway, I couldn't possibly sell the thing. Put far too much work into it over the years, you know. Yep. People will never learn that there are some things that money just can't buy. Exactly. Right, let's see what we how Ooh! 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 Oh, it's Joe! It's Joe! It's Mike, Joe! It's Joe! It's has Joe. she gone crazy? I don't get it, Professor. <laughs> it's the printout! It's the printout! Look, look, let's see for yourself! Hijacked! Yes, it's only gone and given us one of the greatest episodes of Joe 90 ever made. Bravo! Bravo! <laughs> oh, well. Well now, my goodness, uh, we've been spending quite a lot of time recently with very early episodes of shows, and uh, as early episodes of shows go, oh there's a shop there called Aegon, I wonder if that's uh, relevant to Lavender Castle at all, yes as early episodes go, there are a few more relevant, or, form of, or a few more successful I should say than uh, Johnson, I picked up your emergency call. than hijacked in terms of it clearly establishing what this series is going to be. Johnson. Was it Kalei? As uh, Sam Louver is cradling the body of a, a WIN agent named Johnson at the end of a... I might say quite a familiar looking alleyway. And again, with Blu-ray detail here, I've never noticed until just now that, it, you know, it's obvious Johnson has been um, shot. He's got, a, he's got a scratch on his face and, and such, but I never noticed there's blood on, on a pile of boxes. Um, near his body, so obviously he's been like gunned down in the alleyway. Fairly brutal opening for for uh, any Anderson show, much less Joe Ninety. But as I said, this is the episode where Joe Ninety says, "You know what? Listen, Max. This ain't for kids. We are gonna go full on. Sam, there's no time for explanation. Bloody violence. All right, Sam. I'll be there in fifteen minutes. Right. It's beautiful and it's lovely, and I adore it. Big rat. Okay, Sam. And I think um, many people. Oh. Even people who foolishly, ignorantly, naively, and just plain wrongly don't like Joe 90, I think most people who are in that camp and are willing to give this a go will agree. Like working okay? Yes. This is something very, very special. To the big rat. So they're recording Johnson's brain pattern, stuffing it into the big rat. And uh, before we go any further, yes, this was the second episode in production order, but I have a feeling. This was shown as, like, the fifth episode. Let me look that up for you. Do it. I'll tell Joe. Joe. Good switch off now. All right, Dad. Well, let's go. Hold on, Sam. I think it's time for some sort of explanation. And later, Mac, we have less than two hours. You must get back to your laboratory. 
Now listen carefully, Joe. Episode 4, for those of you who are wondering, I I've just got back, yes. First shown October 20th, 1968. But we later learn in The Birthday that they call this Joe's first real assignment. So it's obviously meant to be the second episode. Relax completely. Yes. And we relax as we go into the opening titles. <laughs> I love it when they do that. I love it when they present the opening titles as part of the episode. It's such a clever idea. And I can't think of many other Anderson shows that can actually do that um, successfully within their own narrative. And speaking of IMDb, as I, I just was there, obviously I don't go to IMDb as any sort of reliable source of information at all, but I was looking at the, um, the, World Intelligence Network. the ratings, the scores that people have given episodes of Joe 90. Go on, Sam. With the lowest score, 6.4, uh, in number 30 is The Birthday. The highest rated episode on IMDb at the moment with 8.3 is Talk Down, which is a good choice. You want to know where Hijacked comes? He's selling guns to the highest bidder. It's 7.5. It's number 22. How ridiculous. And that's why we don't use IMDb as a reliable reference source. Anyway. It seems to me, Sam, such a man must be stopped. But how do we do it? Your briefing is, Mario Coletti is a very naughty man. Sells lots of guns. They overlook the guns kill people. Corner. So we have to stop him from selling the guns. On the teeth. Or having the guns. Or indeed being alive. Fox will attack 2100 hours today. Target shipment Tango 120. Will confirm. Out. What does it mean, Sam? It means that the Fox, Mario Coletti, intends to hijack Tango 120. A truckload of automatic rifles of the latest design in approximately one hour. I want Joe to be with that shipment to lead us to Coletti. Why use Joe on the mission, Sam? That was oh, we've got to get some use out of him. We, you've agreed. <laughs> it's too late to back out now. Yes, he is. And his weight? Oh, six stone. That's uh, 84 pounds. Close enough. And so he'll fit inside one of the, the armaments cases. And here we go. Here it comes. Yes. Boom. Boom. I love this. I adore this piece of music. As I adore so many things about this show, but this piece of music in particular. Um, surprisingly wasn't reused much in later episodes, but it's an absolute banger of a tune. And uh, very nice to hear it played live at the concert, uh, the Standby Fraction concert back in April. So much of this music in this show is just nice and gentle. We live in a nice country cottage, and it's all sweet and lovely. And we've got this nine-year-old boy. And then... Well, if Johnson's information is correct, Coletti will strike in one minute from now. Yeah, this is just so... It feels dangerous, and it makes these uh, villain characters that we're about to meet look uh, even more nasty than they already do. This is uh, Gregson Davis, and there's a chap in the car called Carter. Gregson is played by the um, uh, the puppet that was Fraser, most famously in Captain Skull at Crater 101, who uh, always looks very sinister, until the Secret Service when something goes wrong with his face. Um, but he's just a thoroughly nasty piece of work, this puppet, you can tell just by looking. Right on time. So he and his chums have got a machine gun lined up on the road where this uh, armaments truck and police car are passing through. And again, here we have 
The same callous disregard for human life as was obvious in Captain Scarlet. That police car just exploded. The policeman presumably is dead. Uh, I would have to assume more than one policeman, because there's always two policemen in, in police cars in this show. And you just ha now have this... This truck driver doesn't even get any lines, I don't think. But you just tell by the, the sweat on his brow. That driver's got his foot right down. Oh, don't worry, he won't get far. He's in fear for his life. As well he should be, because up ahead... Roadblock! Now, we don't see anything, but uh, I like to think that he, um, considering how <laughs> how nasty this episode, how mean and cruel this episode can be at times, I, I assume he just went straight through the windscreen. Transporter must have stopped. Could it be some sort of traffic holdup? Possible, but on a country road, not likely. I think Johnson was right. They've been ambushed. Great. That's at least three men dead. Great. Uh, that's just it, Mac. As I said, a grown man could never hide inside one of those crates. Who'd be looking for a nine-year-old boy? No, it's just great. I couldn't be happier. I'd right back to Coletti's hideout. Yeah, no mention is made of the policeman or the truck driver ever again. They're just dead. They are incidental to this story because now we're going to meet the main man. Coletti. The trucks are one mile from the base and they've not been followed. They have a helicopter, which uh, I don't believe turns up again in the episode. But yeah, this uh, I, I tend to assume this complex is not too far from the McLeans' home um, because they seem to sort of get to it fairly quickly near the end. So it's so nice to have this lovely English countryside. We go into this empty barn and then... Oh, there's a concealed entrance. And inside, this massive underground complex thing sort of built into a hill. It is pure Bond villain lair. In a way that I don't think we've really had in an Anderson show before, possibly aside from the Hoods, the Hoods Temple. But this feels very, you know, very big, very grand, and uh, very real, crucially. Oh, and I recognize a lorry parked in the back of the. The, the loading bay there. I think that was from uh, Treble Cross. And it's also great that they established this is a this is a big organization. Gregson, Davis, and Carter I can't hear anything. are the only three really of, of um, Coletti's henchmen that we get to meet. But there are more. Because several trucks drove in with at least two people behind each uh, each dashboard. So Joe is in Coletti's base. He's drawn his gun. Of course, he has the brain pattern of uh, WIN agent Johnson, who's such a great agent that he got himself shot. I always question uh, the, the wisdom of assigning Joe a brain pattern of someone who had failed in their mission already. And it happened several times in this show. It's Joe. Loud and clear, Joe Knighty. Have any more innocent civilians or bystanders been injured in the course of our mission? Because it just makes me so happy. We're reporting 15 minutes. And again, this is an early instance of the wonderful trope in Joe 90 of while Joe is out risking life and limb, Mac and Sam are just sat back at the cottage, feet up, cup of tea. It's a very cushy arrangement for them. Oh, but Joe has tripped. Intruder in Area 4. A security checkpoint. Four. Intruder in Area 4. You fool. Someone followed you back to the complex. Oh, impossible. Get down there. Yes, sir. I want him. 
preferably dead. Oh. There's so much lovely venom in uh, both David Healy's performance as Coletti and Keith Alexander as Gregson. Over there! I love the way that the lights come on so suddenly the whole place is illuminated and uh, Joe is down one end of a pile of uh, cases. The other guys are closing in. And I love, I adore the way that music builds up to that that sudden blast of the hijack theme. Just that bum, 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 bum. It's just, oh, it's so cool. This music really makes being an international arms dealer just seem like the coolest thing ever. I, I don't know why. It's certain episodes and certain bits of music that just become so iconic. I'm so grateful for this piece of music being in this episode. It does so much to elevate what is already a, a standout, definitive episode of the show. You look like a kid. Come on. Hey. I love this as well. Joe walks in on the guy manning the security desk. He just turns around and says, hey. And Joe runs off. He doesn't do anything to stop him. And here's a puppet we rarely see. There's this guy manning a truck, who I guess was planning to run Joe down. I don't know what his plan was. Uh, yeah, that puppet, I think, was in Captain Scarlet Avalanche. And then basically never had a speaking role after that, I don't think. We've got him cornered. Oh, that's it. Joe has wandered into, uh, well, some kind of room. Drop your gun. Iron bars have come down in front of him, knocked his glasses off, crucially. This is the end of the line, kid. The very end. Oh, yes. Joe has been captured and he's lost his glasses, so on his very first mission. And this is what I find interesting about this. They send him in to Coletti's lair with no real plan. <laughs> so all he can really do is just kind of blunder about. Yes. And it's not his fault. What's your name? You didn't really have an objective as such. Joe what? Joe 90. And I think Len Jones does a really nice job here of uh, sounding scared. I'm an agent for the World Intelligence Network. <laughs> I see, that's, that's very... And I also like what David Healy does here. And this is your case? Genuine sort of... What's this? How you would talk to a child who... They could almost be a real. Seems lost in their little world of, of make-believe and imagination. Take the boy home. But sir, you don't understand. This boy seriously wounded two of our men. <laughs> Do you take me for an imbecile? It's obvious to me what happened. At the first alarm, some fool fired at the shadow, and the rest of you panicked and started firing at anything that moved. Hmm. It's a wonder someone wasn't killed. Mr. He's got a great, uh, great view of his own people's uh, aptitude there. Take the boy home. Come with me. And I do like at first that you're led to believe that Coletti is actually genuinely letting Joe off. My case. Oh, certainly, Joe and I Weird that he asks for the case back and not the glasses, which are right there on Coletti's desk. I would have thought that the the glasses would be the more urgent thing to get back, but he doesn't. He doesn't really think to do that. He has seen and heard too much. Tell Gregson to dispose of him. Yes, Mr. Coletti. All right, son. You're going home the same way you came. I've forgotten my glasses. You won't need them. Everyone is so in on this idea of child murder. It's so much fun. 
I love how venomous everybody's voice is. Ported again by now, Sam. Don't worry, Mac. With Ed Johnson's background knowledge, he'll be able to handle Coletti. More tea? Hope you're right, Sam. You got any biscuits? I hope you're right. Oh, gosh. It's just so chilling. All right, Joe. They've caught me, Dad. Where are you now? I'm locked in the boot of a car. Listen, Joe. Do you have your glasses? No, but I'll know where they are. Okay. You've got to get those glasses. Joe, feel round the lock. There's probably a slot with a hook in it. I always wondered about that as a kid, actually, if, if that's actually true, if you can release yourself from a car boot. Dispose of the boy. It'll be a pleasure. I suppose um, that would involve shutting someone in a car boot, and I don't think anyone's willing to do that experiment. So, yes, I love that Gregson. Um, it'll be a pleasure. Sounds almost like uh, a certain Mr. Andibold, if uh, faced with the prospect of uh, doing away with Joe 90 once and for all. Oh, dear. So, yeah, we, we now have uh, attempted child murder by some very nasty people in the Jerry Anderson universe. And it's I'm struggling to think of similar moments, I suppose... The closest would be things like uh, Jimmy Gibson or uh, Jonathan Zero sort of being threatened by baddies in Supercar and XL5. Sam. But it, they're never sort of in this much believable mortal danger as they are here. And I do think... Uh, firstly, I love the fact that these shows reuse the same puppets, but crucially, I think what makes this episode work is the choice of guest puppets. This Fraser puppet just was made to be this real, cruel, vicious villain. Let's go. That's it, he's uh, got out of the car, on a cliff edge, release the brake, and down it goes. I also love that it gets to the bottom and then... The moment it comes to a stop, just suddenly explodes. There's what looks like a dustbin following it down, and as soon as the dustbin hits the car, kaboom. Mac, the signal's stopped. Joe. I wonder what that means, Mac. It could mean that your son has been blown to bits, Mac. I wish we brought a thermos of tea with us. Our men have searched the wreckage and there was definitely no one in the car. Well, just a little boy. Uh, no, we were just passing. Patrol 147, calling 147. Excuse me, sir. That's the uh, puppet that would later play Matthew Harding from the Secret Service. Coletti's hideout. Have we any idea where that is? Well, I plotted an approximate location from Joe's homing signal in the laboratory. Then what are we waiting for? Joe did very well to get back to Coletti's hideout so quickly. After being driven away from it, clearly, he's returned on foot and somehow got in. The 15th will be ready for shipment early. I love that he's got the gun, but he doesn't have the glasses. He's, he's sneaking into Coletti's office to get the glasses. The rifles. We're in his point of view. The Brenner submachine gun. What gives him away is that little creak of his footsteps. As agreed, and the actual details of the payment can be worked out later. Oh, and the puppet reacts. I am leaving for Geneva. Joe's nearly got his glasses. And expect to be there in three days. And then... Oh, 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 it, always, it always makes me wince, that... Sudden blow to Joe's hand. And again, I think it's the sight of the blood. Where are you? Close enough to kill you, Coletti. It's a really nasty moment. Um, the first of several we're about to have in quick succession. Firstly, that... Um, Davis? They're not here. You sent them to take me home. Remember? That line of Joe's there. He just seems suddenly... 
it's almost like he's, um, Coletti is now in a horror film and Joe is somewhere in the shadows, threatening to kill him. And Coletti actually believes it. It's a great credit to Len Jones's performance, I think. He's in an underground complex. There must be a hidden entrance someplace. Yeah, it does rather beg the question, how did Joe, how did Joe get back in? But it doesn't matter because we have this wonderful shootout between him and Coletti. Coletti, I'm coming to get you. Oh. You're the only one left, Coletti. It's just you and me. I've murdered everybody else. Well, no, he hasn't, has he? Is um. Come on. There are another, a, a couple of other guys still in the building somewhere, but no one's coming to Coletti's aid here. I can either assume they're all out um, looking for Joe, or Joe murdered them off-screen. Come on out! Which I think is probably the more likely explanation. But yes, Coletti was having trouble with his gun. Now Joe has lost his. But luckily, he's in a place with a lot of grenades. And you know what you can use grenades for? Over here, Coletti. Blowing human beings to bits! sounded like an explosion. It sounded like chunks of human flesh being ripped apart and smeared all over a cave wall. It's just brutal. I, I love the sudden, just the clunk of the grenade and then boom, with the little figure of Coletti, the little figure. That's it. <gasps> I love, I'm so, uh, I feel like I'm bad for being, in, enjoying the sadism and brutality that's on display here, but I can't help it. I just, I admire it so much for, for just the, the concept of the series. Yeah, firstly that, but also throwing a child into this clearly dangerous situation, not just dangerous, monumentally dangerous. Joe! And uh, Joe somehow lost his glasses, but he's managed to open the door for them. And some nice off-screen looking for Joe voice acting here from Keith Alexander and Rupert Davies. And then one of my favorite moments of the whole series as Mac finds him. It's amazing how much emotion Rupert Davies can get out of that word. And in any sane world, this is the point where, you know, Mac agreed at the end of the first episode, let's let Joe do this stuff. This is the second episode. There is no way any responsible parent would ever let anything like this happen again. But, you know, I hesitate to say that Mac isn't a responsible parent, actually, because he's a good guy. But there is no way, after Joe nearly getting blown to bits in a car, shot, suffocated in the fire, it would never happen again. But of course it does. Luckily, we have 28 more episodes to enjoy. I was worried, Joe. We thought you were in that car when it went over that cliff. I'm sorry, Uncle Sam. I must have dropped the homing device when I was struggling to undo the boot of the car. What happened to those men, Sam? Yeah, we picked them up. It was a clean sweep. Ah, what about the uh, policeman and the driver? Oh, they're dead. I'll tell you your next assignment. A hot bath and straight to bed for you, my boy. And that's an order. <laughs> Several innocent people lost their lives helping you achieve your mission, but it's okay if we don't mention them. <sighs> More cocoa. Anyway, that was hijacked and... Oh my goodness, it is, I think it's quite rare in the Anderson universe actually where you can pull up an episode of a series and say everything that this show is, for better or worse, is is contained within this show. This is uh, an absolute, 
you know, definitive microcosm of what the show is all about. But Hijacked absolutely is just Joe 90 in its purest form of throwing, just the idea of throwing a child into this insanely sinister criminal underworld. As I said, with no real plan. That's what sort of gets me. It was like, what was he what was he sent there to do? He didn't have orders to kill Colette, you just kind of bring him in, but you know. Oh, I just I love it. I love every moment of this episode. I love the violence. I love the music. I love the the, the nasty villains, really nasty villains actually. Which this show did um, quite often. Um, really nasty, unpleasant villains. So yeah, only the second episode of Joe 90, but already they've just nailed the format superbly. So one of the best episodes of one of my favourite Anderson shows. If you haven't seen this, I thoroughly recommend checking it out on Blu-ray.